2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning verse 13. But, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you. Chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. We ought always to give thanks. It's interesting. This is where we are in 2 Thessalonians, and this is Thanksgiving week. What do you know? There's a thankfulness theme in our passage, but I, I really want you to look at this as a, as a, I don't know, this is kind of out of place to me. The Thessalonians are suffering for their faith. They've been persecuted by unbelievers. They go out there and they continue to preach the gospel and they're mocked and they're belittled for it and so many people are not responding to the gospel. Many more are rejecting it than responding to it. They're dejected, they're alarmed, they're upset by where they are in life and in the midst of this, Paul says to them, but you ought always to give thanks. That just seems so irrelevant and out of place. You ought always but we're getting beaten paul we're getting persecuted you ought always to give thanks but we've buried our loved ones and we're missing you ought always to give thanks this is so counterintuitive I can count so many pressures on my life, many of you financial pressures. Some of you are going through your first holiday without a loved one that, that you weren't expecting to go through the season without. You, you, you have all this tension and pressure from your job, and we've got all these other things going on in life, and you ought always to give thanks? That's what Paul says. Now, he says it of himself, we ought always, but what he is doing is he is leading them on a journey. He's been through us before. He has been through so many things before, and he's saying, here's how you survive it. I'm going to demonstrate for you how you are to survive this. I want you as a church, in the middle of, not despite of, not after it's all done, in the middle of your stressors, I want you to learn what I've learned. You ought always to give thanks to God. Regardless of how many things are in your list of what's wrong, there's enough in your list of what's right to give thanks to God. Always. Now, when I'm in a preacher's seminar stuff and literature, it says, you ought not to use the word ought anymore. People don't like the word ought. You, you younger generations, probably below me, you know, below 50, you don't like oughts. You aren't motivated by oughts. That's what I'm told. Those are duty words, and we don't like duty words. We just don't like that. They're dirty words, right? I don't like, don't try to motivate me by telling me I have to do something. I don't like that. I don't like ought. So people say get rid of it, and yet that's the word Paul uses. Now, the, the message, okay? Eugene Peterson wrote the message, tones everything down, and he says, we've got our hands full continually thanking God for you. Oh, how sweet that one is, right? 
we've got our hands full thanking God for you. That's not what Paul says. What Paul says is, you ought. I hate, this. I hate to break it to you younger people, but there are some things that you ought to do. It's kind of like uh, obligation, but how do you hear this? And so I decided, here are the four different options according to my dictionary. Number one is this, ought means it's advisable. I advise you to do this. I suggest. So it's sort of like uh, uh, you go through the bank and they uh, see that you have your kid with you and they give you a sucker. I guess they still do this. I hope they still do this. I always look forward to this. So they, they put that in that little drawer thing. I don't even know if anybody does the drawer thing anymore, but they put it in the drawer thing and you reach in, you get the sucker because they realize you have a kid in there and they give it to your kid. And what do you say? And then you say to your kid, and what do you say? And now if they're three years old, you need to do that. You need to train them. If they're 13, they really should know by now. But it's advisable. I'm advising you. I'm telling you, you really should be grateful. Is that what this ought is? I'm advising you. You need to be thankful to God. Or, or maybe is it, secondly, is it uh, naturally to be expected? Is that B? A B. Yeah, yeah. Is it naturally to be expected? I, I mean, it's like um, a parent forcing the graduate to write another thank you note. Everything you get when you're graduating, you need to write a note of thanks to acknowledge every single one, every single one, every single one. It's naturally to be expected. They're expecting a thank you note. Please, t I'm not expecting a thank you note. But, but, but what your parents are going to tell you they're expecting a thank you note, and you really should give it because, you know, they've done something for you. Is that what this ought is? You ought to because, you know, it's expected of you. Or maybe it's C, and you're going to vote on these, so pay attention to this, right? It's a logical consequence. It's a logical consequence. The father, uh, you should thank your parents for the things they do, right? Those, the father's getting a little sick of the attitude of the teenager and he says to the teenager you know i put a roof over your head and i fed you and i've changed your diaper you really should be thankful maybe paul is saying you know god's done a lot for you church even though you're facing some suffering church has done a lot for you or god has done a lot for you so you you really should maybe you should is that here's here's number or letter d and it's it's compulsion it's compulsion it's like I feel so compelled. It's like I don't have a choice about it. I am so grateful and so thankful and so aware of what all God has done for me that I'm driven from within. I cannot help but be grateful. I ought always to give thanks to God. Now, how many of you think probably when Paul's writing this, he means A, it's advisable? Randy thinks it's advisable, okay. George thinks it's a device. It's naturally be expected, B. How many think it's, it's naturally be expected, you should do this. Okay, there's some people, they're beeping. C, it's logically to be a consequence. Randy's still got his hand up, he's confused. It's, it's, it's okay. How many think it's D, it's a compulsion? Okay, m many of you think D, right? I, and, and when I first read this, I thought D too. I thought, yeah, obviously, guys, you should just know this. You should be so aware all the time of the good things God's given you that, that you just bubble up with gratitude all the time. I think it's all four. I think it's all four of these because, I mean, 
Listen, you're not always registering what God's done for you. In the midst of stresses going on and depressing things going on, and you've been hit by something, you don't just naturally think of those good things. And so you have to be taught this. You have to be taught to send a note or say thanks to people. You've got to teach your kids that when they're three years old, you should be saying, what do you say? What do you say? You need to be teaching them this. At some point in time, they need to be getting it, though, right? I mean, if you're still doing this and your kid's 25, I'm, it's kind of too late now, Right? But we need to be taught, and every, some of us are just not natural like this. You do something for Kim Wallace, you do something for Mitzi Manning, you're going to get a thank you note every day for the rest of your living life. On Arbor Day, on every day of the year, you're going to get thank you notes from them because they, just, they seem to be extra sensitive to the good things that are done for them. Some of us, though, are not really good at expressing it. And so Paul says to them, listen, for some of you, the ought is you need to get on board and do the practice, the discipline of gratitude. There is a discipline of gratitude, y'all. The discipline of paying attention when something good is in my life, expressing thanks for it. And it won't come natural to you, but you need to learn it. It is an obligation of the Christian life. Your entire response to God in obeying the gospel needs to be a recognition and a discipline that the rest of my life I'm going to be grateful to him. And some of us, this is not natural. It doesn't flow out of a bubbly spirit and personality. But, but, but all this is true. And this almost seems out of place for this church that's upset. Paul, really? You want, you want us in the middle of this persecution and the stress that we're under to, to, to say, you want us to stop and do a praise time? And I think of what's happening at Valley View. Becky Coggins buried her husband yesterday. Do I think right now is the time she ought to give thanks to God? Doesn't that seem like you're, you're kind of like denying the depth and the weight of something she's going through? Many of you are going through, I mean, right now the economy's tight. Financially, we're stressed. Christmas is coming, and all the stuff, and all the family coming together, and all the holiday stuff, as wonderful it is, it's also stressful. And you think of all this coming in, and some of you got some family coming that you don't particularly like. Anybody? Anybody have family like that? Am I, am I the only one? And you know what's going to be stress? I don't want to talk about this topic. I don't want to get involved. And you're just kind of, and, and all that. And somehow or another, we're looking at the, and Paul's saying, you ought, not just you ought to give thanks, but you ought always. There's never a moment in life where this isn't the most fitting, proper thing to do. What should you be doing when you're stressed? You ought to be giving thanks. What should you be doing when you're depressed and frustrated by life's stuff that's happening to you? You ought to stop and give thanks. What should I do when I'm really happy and in a good mood? You ought to stop and give thanks. You ought always to give thanks to God. Crazy, crazy discipline. And here's what he's basically saying. Review your gratitude list. And he goes through the list. I want you to notice we went through this. I want you to first of all know this. You are loved by God and you're his family. Chapter th uh, verse 13 and verse 16, you are loved by God. Here's what I want you to say. I am loved by God. Everybody in here, you're loved by God. So let's say it together. You ready? I am loved by God. What happens when life seems to be falling apart and there's no real evidence really 
of his tender loving care at this very moment. What do I know? I am loved by God. That's always true everywhere, no matter what else is going on, so say it to yourself. That's part of your gratitude list. And you also have a family, brothers loved by the Lord, brothers and sisters who love you too. This is incredibly important. We're going to talk about this Wednesday night more. I'm going to leave it for Wednesday night. But we're family, we share stuff, and we're loved by God. Here's another thing. You've been chosen You've been chosen by God, verse 13. So I want you to say, I am chosen by God. You ready? I am chosen by God. Now what does that mean? We in Churches of Christ don't like this language. What do you mean God chose me? So what the verse 13 says. God chose you to be saved. Now he tells you through a process, you obey or you believe the truth at the end of verse 13. So yes, you believe the truth. You're if your response of repentance, hear, believe, confess, repent, be baptized, all that's important, all that's required. But even after you've done that, I want you to know which came first, the gospel that saves you or your response that lets you take advantage of it. Which came first? The gospel did. You did believe it. You did respond to it. And you needed to. But even after you did that, it's your response. It's, not, it's God who saved you in that gospel. God chose you, and he did it, verse 14, when the gospel came to you and you believed it. When that gospel comes to you, it's God saying, hey, I want to save you. Hey, I want your sins not to separate us. Hey, I'm after you. I want you to be my child. And when you say, okay, and you obey it, God saves you. But in that entire process, yes, you believed and you responded, but God's the one who saved and he chose you and he's after you and if you're here this morning and you've never responded to the gospel you just heard it God's wanting you he's after you he chose you before you turn around and choose him that's the kind of God we serve and so we can go through there can be troubles all around you and stressors all around you but God wants and chose you there's something about that that should be chilling. And yes, you cooperate in sanctification, but the Holy Spirit's leading the charge. And he is all over your life trying to lead you, and as you submit to his guidance, you become more holy, and you'll never be able to say it was by your actions. You'll always be able to say it's by the Spirit's leading. You cooperated, but God's leading the charge. You're getting a share in the glory of Jesus. What Jesus got for being perfectly obedient, you're going to get. All the wonderful things that God is showering on the Son, He's showering on us. We get to be a participant in the party. And so we get all that stuff constantly flowing. We get eternal comfort and good hope, according to verse 16. And when we do, we continue doing the works of God, and it will put us in pressure situations, and it will put us in spots where we're really being attacked. We will always have God's comfort and strength. That's what He says in verse 17. This is what we have. All the time, everywhere we go, regardless of anything else that's happening, this is always ongoing. And therefore, we ought always to give thanks to God in every circumstance. And so, Paul models for them what he does. 
What does Paul do when he's spending a night in the open sea, just drifting along from a shipwreck? He's been faithful to God in every way, and here he is all night long in the open sea. What's he doing? This. You mean you ought always to give thanks even in the middle of the open sea while you're just like dragging along with a part of the ship? Yep. You mean to tell me when you're being beaten for 39 stripes several times in your life that this is what you were doing? That's what Paul says. It seems so out of place, doesn't it? And for some people, it is out of place. They're just like, I don't feel, I don't feel motivated by gratitude to, to get ready early on Sunday morning and come up the hill and be here and sit in a pew and just sing these songs of praise and to worship God and to act like life's okay. Nobody in here is acting like life's okay. What we're acting like is it ought always to be the appropriate thing to give praise to God. I'm not hiding any of my junk. I'm not hiding any of that stuff and saying it's not really happening. I'm not denying any of it. What I am saying is I'm bringing it all before the truths that are always present and possible in my life, and I'm bringing it all right here. And even in the midst of all this stuff that gives me a headache, there's a God worth praising, and I need to give him the praise. And it changes me somehow. Paul lifts up Paul tells us how to lift ourselves above this junk. Don't don't wait until you feel good and everything lines up just right in your life to get your worship life ready. That makes no sense. He goes on the rest of this passage to describe what gratitude will do for you. We're just going to cover this real quick. And I'm going to put it in the negative. It's going to look different than this list right here. But if you forget to be grateful, if you forget to be grateful, you will lose your passion for the gospel. He says to them, I want you to, verse 15, because of what God's done for us in the gospel, we stand firm and hold to those traditions you were taught to. Because, Because of what God, the good news, and we're grateful for the gospel, we hold on to that gospel. If you forget to be grateful for what God has done for you, your passion for the gospel will be low. You don't think it really saves people. You you don't think it's really all that important. But we in the church know it is. We are the guardians, we're the protectors, we're the keepers of the gospel, we're the proclaimers of the gospel, and we know it is. And here's what the world's going to do. Paul even says this in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why would he say that? The world wants you to be ashamed of it, to cower in front of it. It's a strange message, you all. A God who enters the scene and then he suffers and then he dies and he rises from the dead. That story is a little peculiar and odd. And it's not one of those that people will logically believe. And then it starts reordering your life. You need to respond to the gospel by by letting him and through the spirit to take charge of your life and reshape your life. And there's some of that reshaping we don't like. In fact, some of the time, I want to take the gospel and reshape it to fit me. I want it to be like a garment I can put on that fits me perfectly and it allows me to do whatever I want to do. There's no changing in me. There's no challenge to me. It just lets me be who I want to be naturally before God and I just get to walk and enjoy all the benefits without any of the changes. And if I'm not grateful for what God has done, I will let myself change and water down that gospel when it doesn't need to be. I've got to stand for this, and we as a church have to stand for this. In a world that doesn't like it, we need to show what it looks like to submit our lives to the gospel so that we are the good news for the world. If we submit it to us, we can't save anyone. 
So we hold on to it. And if you're grateful for it, you will hold on to it. You know what it's done for you. If you forget to be grateful, you'll lose your motivation to obey. That's what he says in chapter 2, verse 17. But especially chapter 3, verse 4, if you'll join me there. And we have confidence in the Lord about you. You're doing and will do the things that we command. You're going to live for that. You know that this lifestyle is going to cost you. But because you're grateful for it, you'll live it. So most of you did. All of you who are here, you had to set the alarm clock. You had to get yourself ready, drive yourself here and come up that hill and come into this assembly, and now you're sitting on a pew for about an hour, maybe a little longer, singing songs, hearing people blab on, right? That's what some people will say. But what you're really doing is you're starting your life for this week right by giving God your praise this morning. And that may seem like for some out of place. It, it's not something I appreciate. If you're not grateful for what God's done for you, this will be burdensome and you will quit. Even this. And then you've got to live your life worrying about how your talk goes. You can't say whatever you want, however you want to. You can't just live your life any time. You've got to show kindness, and you've got to be gentle. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You've got to be a person who, who cares about the impression you're making on other people, and it's troublesome, and it means that you've got to really pay, pay attention to your life. And you know what? It's not worth the bother if you're not grateful for the gospel that saved you. What drives you up this hill week in and week out is your gratitude is your appreciation for what God has done for you. What causes you to try to be holy like Jesus and change your life to conform to the image of Jesus? What drives that is your gratitude. And if you ever lose your gratitude, you will lose your faithfulness. And one last thing. If you forget to be grateful, you won't long for closeness with God in prayer anymore. Prayer flows out of gratitude and appreciation for what God has done. Prayer fills this passage. He says, I'm praying for you, and I want you to pray for me, he says in chapter 3, and the Lord is faithful. He will absolutely deliver on everything he promises, but you've got to speak to him, talk to him. When you, talk, when you look at the Psalms, when the psalmist was in present trouble, the Psalms all proclaim praise to God for past faithfulness. The psalmist goes back in time, looks back at what God has done for him before and he remembers why he believes in God and trusts him and he brings that, that faith and that blessing from the past into the present through that prayer. The reason you pray is because you remember everything that God has done for you and you thank him for it and you will stop doing that if you stop remembering. I want us to look at the last verse as we quit. Chapter 3, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. May the Lord make your mind remember how much he loves you. It's almost like you're busy with all this stuff in your life and you're looking this way and looking that way and you and God kind of stops your head. You know how you can do this with your kids who are just getting distracted with this and that, and you, and you stop them and you say, look at me. Just look at me for a minute. Stop your squirrel, 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 right? Stop that. Look at me. 
I love you. And then he tilts your head a little bit and he looks at Jesus. He makes you look at Jesus. And he's absolutely faithful to you. And then he makes you look at him again. Stop everything. I love you and Jesus is fully faithful. Quit all this stuff. Look at me. How does God do that? If he wants to direct your heart away from the distractions and overwhelming stuff of the present moment, if he wants to direct your heart to his love and the faithfulness of Jesus, how will he do it? When you stop long enough to express gratitude, that's the only way you'll remember. You know why we need a day of thanksgiving? Because otherwise we'll, too, we'll be too busy to remember why we need one. We just won't. We won't do it. And do you know when you should be thankful? According to this passage, you ought always to give thanks to God. Always. It's always appropriate. At the weirdest times, when you're the most angry and the most upset and the most stressed and all, it should be a time you pause and you give thanks. And I wonder what he thinks that will change. Why not try it? Why not try ought always? Why not, why not try it? Just be a person who says, no matter what else is going on in my life, I'm going to make myself always give thanks to God. If you're a person, if you're a person who has heard the gospel before, you know God's after you, you know he wants you, and you've not responded to it, I hope you slow down long enough to appreciate what it is like to have a creator God who wants you that bad, who wants you and he's in pursuit of you. And what he asks you to do is, you've heard the gospel and so you hear it, you believe it, you confess it, you're immersed. Some people say, I don't understand why we need immersion, but anybody who's heard the gospel story for real, anybody who's heard the gospel story and know what you're supposed to do in response to it, this, this idea that you will be immersed in the water and raised back up, it makes total sense in the context of the gospel you're obeying. It's an amazing thing, and it's a response. We ought always to give thanks, and that's one of the ways we do it. And then we get together around the table every week. These are things that we do. And if there's anyone who's just, you've been running, you've been running, you've been distracted, you've been busy, you've been diverted from everything else, and now all of a sudden you're sitting in a pew actually thinking for a few minutes what God's done for you, and you realize he's after you and you're ready to respond, you ought always to give thanks. And the most primary way you can do that is give your life to him. And if this morning is the appropriate time for you, ought you always, especially right now, to give thanks by responding? Do it as we stand and as we sing together.